Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVita. Welcome back to Trades Work. I'm your host, Dave DeVita, and I'm really thrilled today to be talking to Roger Wakefield, a master plumber with more than 40 years experience and a social media influencer whose YouTube videos have been viewed by more than 82 million times. Welcome to Trades Work, Roger. Dave, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm. Uh, our listeners don't have the exact uh, benefit that I do of seeing your studio and, and seeing your backdrop. The Trade Talks uh, and uh, we're very excited about having you here. So, Roger, our show, as you probably know, has been geared towards getting people excited about a career in the trades. I know you share that goal. Talk to us about how you got started and what led you into your current role. One of my best friends was working with me at a hamburger restaurant one night, and I was a manager, and it was a slow night. And I remember him coming up to me, and he says, Roger, are you going to do this forever? And I thought, man, I'm 16 years old. I'm managing a restaurant. Life is amazing. And I, and I told him that. And he said, but who's going to who's gonna hire you if you quit or get fired? And it was probably just a couple of weeks later. I'm going to say I quit, but to be honest, I probably got fired. So I called one of his brothers because later that night he told me about his three older brothers and his dad that were all plumbers and how much they loved what they did. They made good money. They had apartments and houses and things like that. So when I didn't have this job, I'd already quit high school, middle of my junior year. So I went to work with one of his brothers and I worked with him the last half of the junior year and all summer. I did go back and graduate with my class. But even after I got out of high school, I loved plumbing. It, it was neat to get in and get to build something, get to be part of something. Just the, the, the passion that the other plumbers had and the pride that we had building something together, man, it stuck with me. So I couldn't wait to get back into it. And that's really how I got started in plumbing. Well, thank goodness for your for your experience in fast food and uh, someone encourage you to move on because I tell you, we, we need more people looking out for our industry like he did for you. So fast forward here, uh, you're a social media influencer. At what point did you start trying to use social media and the power of that to help amplify what's possible in the trades? Well, Dave, I literally, I started it to make my phone ring. I opened my own plumbing company about eight years ago. I spent $47,000 on marketing that actually made my phone stop ringing. I mean, imagine that. You're a company owner. You spend all this money. And it was with multiple marketing companies. But the last one, literally, the phone just stopped ringing. Mm -hmm. And I knew that we needed to do something different. So I started looking at social media and how to learn it and where to learn it. And I went to a conference out in San Diego at the age of 54 so to me, social media there is Facebook. And I right. walked into this conference and discovered YouTube. And a month later, we started doing YouTube. We started doing three videos a week. And we were very consistent about it. And over the, the course of the last five and a half years now, we've grown so big on social media that we sold the plumbing company a year and a half ago. Wow. And, and started doing social media full time to try to help bring people into the trades and Teach people to be better tradesmen. That's a great success story. How long How long did that kind of ramp up take you? You know, from the time that we started YouTube, it was probably a year and a half or two years before we really started making good money on it. 
to where we started making enough money that we thought, you know, hey, this is going to be a worthwhile investment. At the time, you know, moving up during that ramping up period, we were literally looking at it as we're investing our marketing dollars here to help us grow our business. And, and it did. Well, that is, uh, that is a kind of an interesting way of investing money and having to pull it back and, and reprogram or rethink that. Like, what kind of hurdles did you have to overcome in the process or in the beginning? You talked a little bit about discipline. It sounds like, you know, probably getting to know it, but what, what else did you encounter? You know, the, the very first thing that we had to learn is how to do YouTube. We discovered YouTube, but really when I first heard about it, I thought that guy's crazy. YouTube is just where I store my videos. We had had three or four videos made that we were doing Facebook ads with and things like that. But we decided that we were going to make videos teaching homeowners how to fix their own plumbing. And the good thing about that is I'm a master plumber here in Texas with every endorsement. But in Texas, if your home is registered as your homestead, you're legally allowed to do anything plumbing in it that you want to. You can work on your gas line. You can change your water heater. You can replumb your entire house. You just got to pull permits and get it inspected just like a plumber does. So I started making videos teaching people how to fix their own plumbing, understanding that there's going to be a lot of things that they are like, look, I can't fix this. And then maybe we'll be the company that they call if we're in their area. And that really did help a lot. It it did. It, It eventually started making the phone ring. That's interesting. I don't think I've run into somebody who's done what you've done. So I'm learning a lot today. We went through a completely different path than most people do. I promise. Yeah, sounds like it. So in Colorado, and I'm sure you share this in your market, but we share a deficit of 50,000 skilled trades, men and women, uh, in the next seven years. What do you think the main inhibitors to recruiting people are and why? Oh, man, you're going to get me going here. The, The biggest problem that we have is most of these people have been told their entire lives, if they don't go to college, they're never going to amount to anything. And you've got to look at the people that have been telling them this. It's their principals, their counselors, their teachers, their parents, their aunts, their uncles. These are people that have trusted for years. And now we've got to come in and tell them, look, I don't mean this bad, but these people did not, they weren't honest with you. And it's not that they were trying to lie to you. They were just ignorant to the fact of what the trades is really like and how easy it is to get into and how easy it is to make a good living at. I try to tell people these days that, look, walking into the trades is like walking into college. You're starting out at an entry level. But in the trades, you're not accruing any debt. You are literally getting paid to learn. So over the four or five years of your training, if you go through a union training program, it's going to be five years. A lot of open shop can be four years. But so that four or five year period, you're going to make three or $400,000. If you go to college, you're going to accrue debt anywhere from 50 to 200,000, maybe more, depending on what you're going to be. So four or five years from now, you're both going to be at a position where if you went to college, you're going to be entry level now into the workforce. Or if you went to a trade school or even just to work open shop or a union, you're now at a journeyman level where your income level is going to be close to, I'm going to say $40, $50 an hour, maybe even more than that, depending on where you're located, what what yeah. the prevailing wage is in your area, things like that. Those are things that I don't think parents, teachers, principals, counselors, I don't think they all understand that. 
Yeah, and you're speaking to the choir there. It has been an uphill battle, and I, I know that, you know, from from the industry's perspective, once the K-12 system took visibility to the, the trades and hands-on learning and things for different reasons out of the schools, then College for All was kind of the prevailing path that was encouraged. Now, while we're seeing some of that return here in Colorado, I think, um, you know, there's more room for improvement, but giving somebody visibility to something kind of like your coworker did at that, you know, fast food joint is what we need to be doing. I completely agree with you. And, you know, what you said, whenever we took things out of the schools, I have people communicate with me every week saying, look, I don't know anything about plumbing. It's like, well, okay, I didn't know anything about plumbing either. Before I got into it, I, you know, I knew what a plumber was, but at least with me, I had had a metal shop class. I'd had a wood shop class. I built a birdhouse, a, a bread box, a clock. I had poured metal into a mold, poured aluminum into a mold to make things. I understood what working with my hands was about. I understood shop. I understood hammers. I understood how to read a tape measure. Most of the kids graduating today don't know those things. And it makes it more difficult for them to have the the encouragement to walk onto a job site and say, look, I can measure pipe. I can I can use a saw. I know how to cut it. We're literally taking all the hand manual dexterity type skills away from them. Mm-hmm. And then we're we're saying, look, go out and get a job in plumbing or electrical or HVAC. And they're like, look, I know nothing about it. I don't know how to do anything. That puts them behind the eight ball, I think. No, I, I agree. And we, we've done something here first in the country um, where we took all of our apprenticeship programs and sent them through an accreditation process with the American Council on Construction Education and really helped them map our different learning objectives against a college diploma and founded the Western States College of Construction. And so now our apprentices, as they're down the path learning how to be a, a plumber or a pipe fitter or a sheet metal worker or an HVAC technician and so forth, they're also accumulating college credit because we think the best way to compete with the College for All model is to offer that credential in addition to everything else we have to offer. And so that's how we've chosen to kind of combat that what what do you think about that idea you know i i I love the idea my only concern with that would be is is you're putting them in college so they're thinking okay now i've got to take reading writing arithmetic history everything else and those are the things that they really don't want to take Mm -hmm. so if they need their degree they're going to have to get that which look i'm all on board with my thing that i think texas has done well the texas state board of plumbing examiners got with TEC, the Texas Education Commission, and they got together and came up with a syllabus that now high school students on schools that have adopted this training, a high school student after their freshman year can decide, look, I want to become a plumber. So their sophomore, junior, and senior year, they can take plumbing. They've got a complete curriculum for for them. They've also got external hours where they've they've got to work with a plumbing company. They've got to get hands-on. They've got to do some things. But now when this young person graduates high school, they are eligible to go take their tradesman exam, which is their entry-level plumbing license. It's for a a two-year person. But for a residential service company, that allows this tradesperson 
to go into any single or double family home. So a single family or duplex Mm -hmm. as a plumber, they can go in as a licensed plumber. They can literally start out at almost $52,000 a year the day they walk out of high school by passing this exam. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I love because what y'all are doing, putting them in through the college program, don't get me wrong, I think it's a good idea. I, I wish I could say I had an associate's degree or something, but I've got a professional license instead, and I think that's what Texas is trying to drive them for and letting them do it in high school so those hours go straight for their professional license, not for a college degree. Well, in, in, in our case, it's one additional class over the course of their four or five years that all the other credits map over. So, you know, rather than having to go out and get the classics English class and, you know, a history class, we've mapped all of our apprenticeship hours and credits over into what's called occupational studies degree. And so it's one four credit hour class that we are weaving in through their journey um, so when they come out, they, they come out with two credentials instead of just the, the one piece of paper. I love that. That's great, Dave. Thank y'all. I like that. That's yeah. neat. Let's talk a little bit about experience. You, you noted that you've got a lot of experience underneath your belt and you probably, uh, have several stories from your time in the trade. Can you give our listeners a couple examples of, you know, your favorite projects or the favorite part of what you do have been or that stand out to you? You bet. W- one thing that, I love talking about is the fact that I've done residential service. I've done residential construction. I've done commercial service and construction. And one thing, anytime I interview people for my podcast, I normally get around asking them, were you familiar with the different opportunities in the trades? Meaning there's residential, commercial, industrial, there's service, there's new construction, there's union, there's non-union. So me having a broad training because I've done all of it, my favorite Projects along the way come from both sides. Mm-hmm. I've, I've actually, I got to build, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, an indoor swimming pool, which just by itself sounds pretty vague, but Great Wolf Lodge here in Grapevine, Texas, I got to be the superintendent on the indoor water park, and well, the indoor and outdoor. So it was all the pool area. We weren't associated with the hotel. Yeah. Uh, Great Wolf Lodge knew the plumbing company or the, the swimming pool company they wanted to build this. So they kept that completely separate from the rest of the package. And I was with the company that, that won the bid to get to do the pool. The neat thing about it is you, you've got all these lines that, that cross each other and go from this pool to this mechanical room and back and forth and all kinds of neat different things. And one of the things as to doing this as the superintendent, we learned to use a total station to mark all the points where we wanted everything stubbed up. Now, this was completely new to our industry, but it's something that I had seen on another job, so I wanted to bring into this. So I talked to the company that I was at as, as being part of the, the sales team on this. Once we got it, they said, you understood, or you understand, now that you sold it, you're going to end up being the superintendent on it. But, Good luck. Yeah, exactly. But getting to learn that total station and show my team how to do this on a job this size was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then as a plumber to get to build an indoor water park, you know, 270,000 square feet, it was just really, really neat to learn how to do things different. We weren't used to cutting 16 inch pipe and, and gluing it together and then burying it eight feet underground. So another line could come across it. So stuff like that was neat. But then 
on the, the residential service side of it, you, you get to do things like, I remember us getting a call one day after I opened my own company and the lady calls says, look, I've had another plumber come out and they, they just shut off my gas and they told me it's going to cost $10,000 to turn it back on because I've got a leak out in the yard. And the reason I called them is because we smelled gas in the attic. Mm. So we, we said, look, we'll, we'll come out and we'll look at it. And we send a guy out there and he turns it on. And he tests the yard. There's no leak in the yard. And, and he goes up in the attic and he finds three leaks, I think. And he fixes them. And we get our gas turned back on in winter for under $1,000. And to hear this lady talk, she's like, look, they were talking $10,000. And I'm already thinking I'm not going to be able to get my gas turned back on this winter. And I, I truthfully think. Residential service people, whether you're a plumber, an electrician, or an HVAC tech, we wear capes to work every day. Most people just never see them. And and we are the superheroes of the trades because when people have problems, we're the ones that they call. We're the ones that have the opportunity to come take care of them. And it's sad that some people are out there trying to take advantage of them, but we get to see that quite often that when you do the right thing, People end up calling you and you get to come out and prove it each and every day. I love that quote, superheroes without capes. Cause as you and I both know, when it work, it's when it's working, it's, you don't really think about it. It's when it doesn't that sends you to kind of be motivated to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, what does success look like in your current role? Man, in, in my current role, I feel like I've got a long way to go. You know, you, you talked about. The, the need for people in the trades, I, I've created the, this this BHAG, this big, hairy, audacious goal to help people get in the trades, help them become better at the trades, help them start their own businesses, and then help them learn to use networking and social media to grow them. You talked about, uh, I think, 50,000, the, the need for people in Colorado. There's a million unfilled trades jobs across the United States. The way that I'm looking at this is if I can help one and a half million people get into the trades, that helps fill that. Then if I can help 750,000 of these apprentice and tradesmen move up and get better and learn how to make more money, how to be a foreman, a superintendent, an ops manager, how to do things like that, then another 500,000 help them learn to start their own businesses. Trades people, it's so easy to move up and start your own business and, and live the life that you want to live. And then my last group is the entrepreneurs. I want to help 250,000 of them learn to use networking, social media, video, everything like that. Do the things that I've done to grow your business and make your phone ring all by yourself. That sounds great to me. Sign me up. <laughs> it's a I'm neat like- thing. Yeah. So uh, the last question may be a little unfair, but uh, we always ask everybody who comes on our show. Roger probably didn't always want to be a plumber, even going all the way back to your elementary school years. What were your ambitions or what, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, I grew up in Dallas and I, I grew up in the 70s. I played football. I was number 12 and my name was Roger. Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to be the next Roger Staubach. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I wanted to do. I, I loved playing football. I played quarterback. I just, I loved it. I loved sports when I was in high school. You know, I, I got in trouble and made mistakes and ended up quitting high school. Like I said, the, the last of my junior year. Luckily, I was dating a girl at the time that called me that summer and said, you know, I don't think I could ever marry anybody that didn't graduate high school. 
So I made it a point to go back and graduate with my class. Thank God. Her and I aren't together, never got to back together or anything like that. But it's, it's pretty neat because I love the life that I have. I, I'm, I'm truly, I'm in a position where I tell people, I get to live the most amazing life I could have ever imagined each and every day. And the trades have done that part. That's a great success story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Well, that concludes our show, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please stay tuned for more industry insights, news and information about the women and men building our communities, building our skylines, and building our future. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.